touched on this, but cut some people some slack. Has anybody been shopping in the last week? No? If you are, you'll understand. I, I, I can't tell you how many wrecks I almost saw. Just people getting in a hurry to get to a parking spot or something like that. <laughs> Anything like that. Amen. Um, I want you to turn with me to... Uh, I want you to uh, turn with me to Exodus chapter 17, please. Exodus chapter 17. And uh, we're going to talk about uh, water from the rock today. If you were to rank all the, all the stories in the Bible to what people have heard of or what people know, this would certainly be one of them where where Moses smites the rock and gives the children of Israel water. Uh, just by way of context, uh, they have gone from the oasis of Elam. And I don't know, I'm not an expert on this by any means, but, um, you know, they're uh, getting ready to go on a caravan, in a sense. And so they no doubt loaded up with as much supply as they could, and uh, they had to be carrying their water with them, okay, for the water of their animals and different things like that. Um, I don't know if anybody's ever studied this at all, but you guys ever seen like the, the Arabian Desert, you know, uh, Lawrence of Arabia, you guys have heard of him, stuff like that. Um, and those uh, nomads out there, the Bedouins, the nomads, whatever you want to call them, the guys that ride camels everywhere, they actually know where the watering holes are out there in that sand. Can you imagine? By the way, I don't know if you know this, but one windstorm can change the look of everything out there, you know? And yet they know where those, those things are, and they go from each one. Well, these guys are going through new territory. They're going through that, that desert right now. And so, to me, it seems like any water that they had had to be carried with them, probably in bladders of some kind. And, and, and you can imagine how much water just an individual family would go through, okay? Well, they've come to, if you will, what is known as Mount Sinai, Mount Harmon. Hermon? No, not Harmon. Um, let's say that wrong. Is it Mount Nebo? No, Herob. There we go. Verse, uh, there we go. Verse 6, it says uh, Mount Herob, Horeb. And, um, and so, if you will, they've made this journey through the wilderness, and they are encamped, okay? They're encamped at what would later be the mountain of God, okay? This is where Moses was spoken to by God. You remember the burning bush and uh, where he said, tell him I am sent you. This is exactly where he has returned to, okay? You remember that was one of the promises that he made to uh, Moses. He says, I'm going to have you go get the children of Israel and you're going to come and worship me at this mountain. And that's exactly what has happened. That's where we are here. Now, it doesn't say all that in text, but you, you put all that together. And that is exactly what's gone on here, okay? And so in um, Exodus chapter 17, in verse 1, the Bible says, And all the congregation of the children of Israel journeyed from the wilderness of sin after their journeys according to uh, the commandment of the Lord and pitched in Rephidim, and there was no water for the people to drink. Wherefore, the people did chide with Moses and said, Give us water that we may drink. And Moses said unto them, Why chide ye with me? Wherefore do ye tempt the Lord? 
And the people thirsted there for water, and the people murmured against Moses and said, Wherefore is this that thou hast brought us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our cattle with thirst? And we've addressed this issue already, but how many miracles does God have to show them? <laughs> and Moses cried unto the Lord, saying, What shall I do unto this people? They be almost ready to stone me. Okay. So he's complaining to God. He says, God, we've got to do something. They're going to kill me. And the Bible says this, it says, uh, it says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Go on before the people, and take with thee the elders of Israel, and thy rod, wherewith thou smotest the river, and take in thine hand, and go. And behold, I will stand before thee there upon the rock in Horeb, and, uh, and thou shalt smite the rock, and there shall come water out of it, and the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. And he called the name of the place Massa and Meribah, because the chiding of the children of Israel, and because they tempted the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for the privilege to open your word. Just pray that you'd open our understanding. Father, help us not to be learners for learning's sake. But Father, give us opportunity to minister, to answer questions, to point people to you. Father, be with those who are apart from us. So many today are sick. Uh, recovering, uh, been in the hospital, have family that's been in the hospital. Uh, Father, we have uh, people um, coming and going in their travels. We just pray that you give their the safety there. And, and Father, more than anything, we just pray that you'd help us to put aside the cares of the world for a time. Speak to us and uh, let your will be done. We ask this now in Jesus' precious name. Amen. So uh, I do want to talk about water from the rock. And if, if you think about this, and uh, I'm wearing a different pair of glasses today. These are my readers, and they made them too strong. And so I literally have to read everything like this, so please forgive me. Okay. <laughs> All right. So anyhow, um, uh, we see here it says, in 40 years of watering, God only gives us a, a relatively few accounts of what took place and what's going on. And this, of course, is one of the focal points. It's not just a focal point of their wanderings, of their journeys, but it's a focal point of all history. This, this is literally one of the most important, impactful times in the Bible, okay? When he, when he smites the rock and he brings forth water, okay? By the way, in the desert, water represents life. You remember the woman at the well? We talked about her last week, the woman at the well. She said, Evermore, give me this water that springeth up into everlasting life, you know, or living water. And he says, if you ask me water, I'll give you water that springs up into everlasting life, okay? Well, they uh, look what verse 7 again says. It says, is the Lord among us or not? They're, they're basically saying this, they're questioning the character of God. Well, he comes and he goes, he comes and he goes. And uh, most of our forefathers in American history were Christians. I go like this, because they were deists. Okay, and a deist believes this: there's a God. Hey, praise the Lord! They believe that there's a God. Well, the problem is the Bible says that the devils believe also and tremble. Listen, there's a lot of people believe in God. Okay, but there's a difference between believing in God and putting your faith in God. Because a deist believes this, that God created all of this. The, the, the illustration that they use is that he wound up a clock, he set it on the mantle, and then he went away. Okay? You remember even some of the parables, it's, it's like as, a, as a, a man that went into a far country. He gave men his possessions, and he left, and he went into a far country. 
And so a lot of people are treating God as, you know, God comes and he goes, he comes and he goes, he comes and he goes, okay? Well, we know this, God is a very present God. God's everywhere at all times. Amen? He is always accessible. He's always there. And uh, I like Ron's devotional, you know, that whole thing about being slack. God's not slack concerning his promises. You know, what's one of the nicknames that we give our God? He is the on-time God. Is God always on time? He's never early and he's never late. The only problem is with our conceptions, okay? And they're saying, we need water. What did you do, bring us out here to kill us? <laughs> don't you? By the way, don't you think Moses got tired of hearing of that? <laughs> okay. And, but I tell you what, they were serious about it. It's serious enough that he came up to the Lord and he said, Lord, if we don't do something, they're going to kill me. They're going to stone me, okay? And I, I don't think he was being... Uh, I don't think he was being radical or anything like that. I think he was just saying what he perceived to be the truth. Amen. And so we want to take and we want to notice here three things in this text here. And notice the place where they went to. In verse 1, it is called Rephidim. And if you study that out, it, uh, it means a resting place. It, it literally has the form of, it sounds funny, but it, it's kind of like a rock to sit on. Okay. It's kind of like a, not a lounge chair, because they don't have lounge chairs out there, but a resting place. So it'd be like you're walking along, and whenever we were climbing a mountain, anytime you found something flat, you sat on it, <laughs> okay? Why? Because you don't have chairs in the mountain, okay? And so you'd be tired, you'd need a rest, and uh, you'd find a flat place to sit, and so it was called Rephidim, meaning resting places, okay? And so there's a lot of rocks there, a lot of places for people to sit. It was a good resting place. That's, that's literally what the word means. And, and so, if you will, um, they came to a resting place. Now, a resting place can be a good place to refresh and recover. This could be a good thing. I mean, they could have been going, hey, yes, a resting place, but that's not the attitude that they had. And I want you to think about some things. Do we need to rest? How many of y'all have ever heard the expression, I'd rather burn out than rust out? Maybe that's just a ministry thing. <laughs> it used to be, honestly, I think Ron would know this, working with churches over the years. A lot of old preachers had that mentality, I'd rather burn out than rust out, and they'd, you know, they'd soon die of a heart attack or something like that. And, um, and so it was a badge of honor not to take care of yourself, Okay. I will say this, sometimes in life we can get like that. Not, I mean everybody, okay, everybody. And so I, I want you to know it is necessary for us to, uh, to rest physically, okay? You, you were talking about slacking the line, and I'm, whenever I think of slacking the line, I think of, uh, of uh, towing cars with me and my wife. <laughs> Honey, you got one job. Don't let any slack in that chain. <laughs> And so, um, uh, anyhow, uh, you, you know, uh, we need to rest physically, okay? We need to take and sit down. And, and I haven't said that anything that you take to an extreme goes from being a virtue to a vice. Y'all understand that? And so take necessary rest, all right? So take necessary rest. But it's, 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 it's necessary physically. How many of y'all think it's rest, uh, necessary mentally? How many of y'all think all the time? I'm identifying all the high-stress and low-stress people as we speak.
because all you high stress people just went and all you people who would rather let others carry the stress my wife's just like well, I don't think about things sometimes. I, th I think constantly I think constantly and I, I would tell you this she has the ability to do that to just put things out of her mind and you know put things out praise the Lord for that but if you need physical rest can I say this you also need rest for your soul and rest for your soul is that quiet place how many of y'all know that Jesus did that? Why did he go to the mountain? Why did he go to the garden? Why did he come apart from even his own disciples? Amen. Why? He just needed a moment of quiet. Okay? And the moment of quiet ought not just be quiet. Nature hates a vacuum. You guys ever heard that? Nature hates a vacuum, meaning this. Uh, does God tell us to think about nothing? What's he tell us to think about? Yeah, what sort of things are good, and what sort of things are pure, what sort of things, amen? And so he, he's not telling us not to think, he's just saying, if you're going to think, think about something good, okay? Think about something restful, think about something pleasant. Uh, f uh, whenever I'm trying to fall asleep and I try to think about something pleasant, I think about the first hole of the golf course I used to play when I was in the Air Force. And if I'm doing real good, I don't get to the second hole. <laughs> Because I just, I think about playing the first hole of that golf course. I've done it for years. And uh, it relaxes me. And, and, I, and I just, you know, I'm able to, to get, you know, stop thinking about the world for a moment. Think about something pleasant for a moment. Maybe meditate on the Word of God, of course, for a moment. And so we need rest physically. We need uh, rest in our soul, in our mind, okay? And then we also need rest and refreshing in our spirit. And I will tell you this. We need to spend time with God. And to do that, quite often you've got to be resting physically and you've got to be resting mentally so that you can have that time with God spiritually. Okay? And so, excuse me, even God knows that we need a resting place. He brought these people to a resting place. It should have been a time of blessing. Now, it is good if you focus on regaining your strength in these areas, meaning while you're resting, you should be trying to regain your strength. So anybody ever get a glass of water when you sit down? What are you doing? You're, you're refreshing your body. You're, you're getting some water. You might take a snack, get, a, get, a, you know, get some physical refreshment, okay? And so uh, um, that's why God gave us these things, okay? It's because why? Well, we got business to take care of, okay? And so we need the strength for the next part of the journey. You know, they were getting ready to face a battle. Look what the Bible says in verse 8. We didn't read there. But the very next thing that happens after the resting place is a battle. The Bible says, then came Amalek and fought with Israel and Rephidim. Okay, and so the enemy shows up. The enemy shows up. By the way, how many of you ever tried to get some rest and the enemy shows up? Okay, the enemy shows up all the time, doesn't he? Uh, you, you, tr you just wish you could have five minutes to sit down and boom, the phone rings, okay? You, boy, you wish you could stop thinking about something for a minute and, you know. Uh, anybody here, uh, you, to pray for an hour is not a problem? Let's see if, how many liars we have here. The um, Bible says, couldn't you pray with me for an hour? Isn't that kind of the standard? Anybody ever tried to pray for an hour? What do you spend most of your time doing? Trying to clear your mind so you can pray. Am I the only one? I mean, you, you'll take and you'll bow your head. I'm going to spend some time with the Lord. I'm going to take and I'm going to have some prayer. And, uh, boy, you think about this and you think about that. Think about the other thing. You're like, no, 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 I'm praying here. Stop, stop, stop. And, okay, now I'm just going to. You 
guys understand. And to be quite honest with you, sometimes we got to work at everything else. You really need to work on your resting. Okay? You need to work on your resting. Why? Because God's preparing you for a battle. That's why he gave you the time to rest. Amen. And, and I think all of us know that the, the battle's coming. There's always that next battle. And so they were getting ready to face the battle. But it can be a place that breeds conflict. What do I mean by that? Well, listen, too much time on somebody's hands. They had time to sit around and think, didn't they? And what they were thinking about was the miserable conditions. They didn't have any place to stay. It was hot. They needed water for their animals. Boy, we're going to thirst to death here, aren't we? And can I just tell you this? Idle hands are the devil's. Well, what's an idle mind then? Right? See, the difference is idle hands, that's bad. Idle mind, that's the most efficient thing you have. <laughs> and, if, and if the devil's going to get you, he's going to get you in your mind. Okay, the battle for the mind here. And so a place of rest can be a good place, but it can also be a bad place. Uh, get your rest and then get up and get moving. Why? Well, the devil's coming, man. The, the, the battle's on. Okay, so get your rest. Too much focus on self and not on God. What I mean by that, a lot of times when we're resting, ultimately, what did I say we're supposed to do? Body, soul, spirit. Okay? Body, soul, spirit. Okay? And the whole purpose is to ultimately get back into that good relationship, that harmony. Okay? It sounds weird. Anybody know what resonance is? You guys, are, you guys ever seen the tuning fork um, thing? You can take two tuning forks. And if they're the same frequency tuning fork, you can bang this one and this one will start ringing. Okay? Bang this one, this one will start ringing. The reason is because they're in resonance. Okay? Did I tell you the other day about the bathroom fan? We had a bathroom fan, and I went in to get some toilet paper below my nose. Okay? And I looked down, and the water in the bowl, the, the fan had been running so long that the water in the bowl was in perfect resonance with the fan. It was literally spinning and rippling. You all understand, like, what, what would we call that then? Being in tune? Okay? So think about this. How many of you all are in tune with God? You all understand that? We're on the same frequency. We're in the same resonance. We, we got the same mind. Amen. Why? Because we rested long enough to take and to get into that position in life. Okay. And so whenever we have this time, we need to make sure it's, it's not too much time. We need to make sure we're not focusing on ourselves, but we're focusing on God. Okay. Uh, and then it became a place of temptation and strife. Look what the Bible says in verse 7. The Bible says, and he called the name of the place Massa and Meribah, or Massa and Meribah, because of the chiding, and, and, and Massa means chiding, okay? And because they tempted, and Meribah means temptation, okay? Because they, if you will, they chided and they tempted, okay? In a sense, the Bible says in verse 2 that they were putting God to the test. It says, wherefore... The people did chide with Moses and said, Give us water that we may drink. And Moses said unto them, Why chide you with me? Wherefore do you... Let's see what Bible say there. Tempt. Okay. And listen, they weren't tempting him with sin. They were putting him on trial. That's what the word tempt means. Okay. Whenever Jesus was tempted of the devil, he was being put on trial by the devil. Okay. A lot of times God uh, tries... Uh, excuse me. Yeah, God tries us. Sometimes the devil tries us. But they're putting us through tests. Okay, tests or trials. 
And so, if you will, rather than worshiping God and meditating on God, getting their strength from God, they're putting God on trial. You're going to give us water now? Well, wait a minute. Didn't he just get you out of Egypt? Didn't he just get you across the Red Sea? Didn't he just get you to an oasis to give you all the water you needed? Hadn't he been feeding you from heaven every morning? And now you're going to put him to one more test? Where are you, God? Where are you, God? Where are you, God? Folks, there's a big difference between where are you, God? And where are you, God? You guys see the difference? Same words. Different attitude. Different attitude. And so if you will, rather than taking that time to rest to get closer to God, they were taking that time to find cause with God and to fall out with God. Okay? It's not a good use of their time. And like I said, this was a test that God had already passed. If you want to look at that, it's in in Exodus chapter 15. I I, want to ask this question for us. Okay? How many times does God have to prove himself to you? Can we talk about that for a second? So let's all give the spiritual answer. Just once. Okay, we got that out of the way. God has to prove himself to you daily. Can you expand a little? Amen. I appreciate the way you said that. And what happens is when we get in the flesh, we put God to the test. God, I need more money. And God is not slack concerning his promises, says if you needed more money, I would have given it to you. Right? So sometimes we just got to stop and say, Lord, why aren't you giving me more money? Honestly. I will tell you this, early on in the ministry, I, you know, listen, time was tough. I think we all have our sad stories about how broke we were at one time. But I remember in seminary one time, we literally are digging for dimes in the floorboard of our car because we hadn't eaten a meal out forever, and we just wanted to get two bean burritos from Taco Bell. <laughs> you guys ever been there? <laughs> you know? And uh, we finally found it. Amen. <laughs> but... Uh, uh, How often does God have to prove himself? Please take this the right way, but if you have a right relationship with God, God has passed the test. But if you're sideways with God, upset with God, do you realize you're putting him to one more test? He was good enough to save you. He was good enough to give you the blessings of life and He was also good enough, to be honest with you, to put you through a test to prepare you for a future challenge. You guys ever heard, and I've used this a couple times, but hard times make for hard men, hard men make for prosperity, prosperity make for uh, soft men, and soft men make for hard times. Where would you like to be in that circle? Come on, man. On, I'm serious. How many of y'all would like to be hard men? 
I do. Okay. Well, to do that, you got to go through hard times. I was having this conversation just the other day, but uh, uh, one of the ways I raised my girls is I told them, you do not want to marry a boy. You want to marry a man. My definition of a man is somebody that has an education, they have a job, and they have a house. Okay? And they have a right relationship with the Lord, but that's, that's where you should start. Amen? Well, folks, please take this the right way. Where are our girls going to find their husbands? Because we got an awful lot of soft men in this world. Amen, oh me. Amen. And so if you will, sometimes the hard time is, you know, he was just teaching them one more time, trust me, trust me. Why, why would God work so hard to teach them the trust me lesson? Well, let me give you an illustration. Here's the battle plan. We're going to go and conquer the toughest city you've ever faced. Has a wall around it that cannot be penetrated. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to walk around it once a day for seven days and say nothing. <laughs> On the seventh day, oh, okay, seventh day. I want you to walk around it seven times and say nothing. And then I want the priest to blow the trumpets. That's the plan? Yeah. Well, should we sharpen our swords? Did I tell you to sharpen your swords? Amen? Gideon, here's what I want you to do. I want you to send the 32,000 men that showed up, 42,000 men that showed up for the battle. Uh, I, I get that right? 32,000. 32,000. And I want you to send them all home. Okay? And I want you to pick out your 300 best men. Okay? Okay? And here's what I want you to do. I want you to get a lamp and a clay jar. <laughs> Did they win all those battles? But what was necessary? Faith. And so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to bring you to a resting place, and I'm, I'm going to wait maybe a few hours longer than you're comfortable with to give you water. But I just want to see if you're going to start complaining or if you're going to trust me. Now, I wonder how many of us are at those different points in life. And listen, I'll, I'll raise my hand. And there's times you just, right? And God's going, right? And rather than using it as a good thing, it turns into a, you know, a bad thing in a, in a time of complaining. You see, they were putting God to the test, but they didn't realize God was putting them to the test, Say, will you trust me or not? Will you trust me or not? Will you trust me or not? How many times do I have to prove myself to you? And notice he did again and again and again. But he also had a, an official enough point because they kept saying, would to God we had died in the wilderness. And he kind of let it go a few times until they sent in the 12 spies. Would to God we had died in the wilderness. And then he said, you know what, okay. 
You know, getting sideways with God can become a habit. Amen? And God, in his grace and his mercy and his relationship to us as a father, will be patient and loving and kind. But God has an enough point. Enough. Enough. Okay? Uh, I think we can learn all these things. They were tempting God. They were putting him on trial. In verse 7 we see that. But the second thing is they were striving with his servant. That's the second part of verse uh, 7. But look what he says in verse 4. Verse 4 talks about the striving. And the Bible says, And Moses cried unto the Lord, saying, What shall I do unto this people? They be almost ready to stone me. You guys ever thought about lousy ways to die? How many of y'all want to die in your sleep? There you go. That's the way to go. (laughs) But everything after that's bad. Okay? To me, I think the worst, I I would hate to drown. I don't want to drown. Okay? And you think, well, I'd hate to be shot, and I'd hate to be this. Can you imagine being stoned to death? Because it's just a, a relentless volley of rocks. Until you die. Sometimes I, I think it's good for us to stop and to pause and to think about what's being said here. They'd be almost ready to stone me. I mean, they're looking. <laughs> By the way, if you're going to stone somebody, what are you going to do? You're going to pick up the biggest rock you can heave. Okay? That one's too big. That one's too small. That one's just right. You understand? He could tell that they were picking out their rocks. Notice what the Bible says in Philippians chapter 1. Go there, please. Philippians chapter 1. Look at verse 27. I'm going too slow here. I've got to speed up. The Bible says, only let your conversation, by the way, that doesn't mean how you talk. That means how you live. Okay? The Bible says, only let your conversation... Be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. You know what he's saying? He's saying we should be striving together with God, not striving against God and striving against one another. Okay? And so, if you will, uh, we see that that resting place. Okay? Now, just real quick, I need you to go back. And let's hit this. This is important here. I want to talk about the rock smitten here. I want you to notice very carefully. I appreciate what Brother Ron taught this morning because I do believe it's important for us to, to try to see what the outlier is. Okay? What do I mean by that? How many of y'all realize that the Bible can be understood at many different levels? How many of y'all believe our children can understand the Bible? Okay? And how many of y'all believe that there's some people in this world that know way too much about the Bible and we can't understand half the things they're talking about? And there are, okay? Wow, how'd you see that? What what are you talking about, okay? And so somewhere in between there, every verse of Scripture connects with every person, okay? So walk me through it just real quick. You guys know it. He's supposed to smite the stone, right? What is the stone? It's just a rock, but what does the stone represent? Why does it represent Christ? Well, we'll see this here later in in 1 Corinthians 10, I believe it is. 
that uh, the Bible says Christ was that rock. And so we have a verse of scripture. You don't even have to guess about it. Christ was that rock. Amen. All right. But having said that, there's a lot of years between Moses striking that rock and Paul telling us what it meant. They had to have known before that. Did they have the ability to know? Well, let me ask you to read this verse very carefully with me right now. Okay, look at verse 5. And uh, the Bible says this, it says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Go on before the people, and take with thee of the elders of Israel, and thy rod wherewith thou smotest the river, take in thine hand, and go. Okay, all right, we got it. Now, in verse 6, he says, Behold, I will stand before thee there upon the rock in Horeb, and thou shalt smite the rock, and there shall come water out of it. Y'all notice anything there? Look at verse 6, guys. It's the very beginning. Who's standing on the rock? God is. And we learn later that that's God the Son, Jesus. You remember the, the four men in the fire was like unto the Son of God. And we learned something there, didn't we? Okay. And so if you will, he says, I'll be standing on the rock when you smite it. Get a hold of this. They could have understood that when Moses, and Moses could have understood, now he didn't, but he could have, that when he smote that rock, folks, he wasn't smiting a rock. He was smiting God. How do we know that? Because later, you remember, they needed water again right before they came into the promised land. They needed water again. And, uh, and Moses had had his fill. Y'all remember that? And God says, this time speak to the rock. Okay? Why? Because the rock's already been smitten. You rebels, you want water, I'll give you water. Wham! Wham! And the water flowed. And God said, Moses, you're not going into the promised land. Why? Because I told you to speak to the rock. Why is that such a grave sin? Amen. Um, can you lose your salvation? Are you sure? Well, a lot of people believe you can. Amen. Matter of fact, some churches, even this morning, they will have people who have been saved many times at the altar this morning to get saved again. If you've ever been to one of those churches, you know I'm telling you the truth. Okay? And the preacher knows he preached an effective message if he could get you lost and get you down the aisle again. Okay? In Hebrews chapter 6, the Bible says that if we can do that, lose our salvation, it's, it's implied, it's a whole message, but go and read there. But if we can lose our salvation and have to be saved again, we bring him to an open shame. 
why was God so angry with Moses? Because he smote the rock twice. Is he saying the first time you were smitten, God, it wasn't enough? How many times did Jesus have to die, folks? And that's why when he said it is finished, that is such a powerful verse. It's a powerful sentence because it literally means this. It stands now in a finished condition forever, meaning salvation has been provided forever. And so every time a Catholic priest comes and turns that little piece of bread into the body of Christ, and you have to take it to receive Christ again and again and again, he's being crucified afresh again and again and again and again. And God says, that brings me to a shame. You're diminishing who I am before all these people. And Moses, you will not go in so that the people knew how grave of a sin it was. Okay? By the way, there's other, there's other aspects to it. Moses represented the law. The law can't get you to the promised land, folks. But you know who can? The one standing on the rock. The one standing on the rock can get you into the promised land. Amen? Jesus, the one who who died for our sins, amen. You know, it also teaches us a principle. Go to Matthew chapter 27. Matthew chapter 27. And look at verse 51. A keen observer. A lot of times we read these verses and we, oh, that's nice, that's interesting. God's, God, if you'll, if you'll stop and just see it, God is communicating far more in these verses sometimes than we take out of them, okay? And in, in Matthew 27, verse 51, the Bible says, And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the, what's the Bible say? From the top to the bottom. By the way, do you think that's important? Here, this morning's message, I'm going to talk about the importance of direction in the Bible. And it's important to see if man was going to rip that curtain, and I don't know how many of y'all know, some people say that that curtain was as much as four inches thick. Anybody here ever tried to rip like a telephone book? And as long as it's from the city of Pierce City, <laughs> you don't want to do the Kansas City phone book. <laughs> you guys understand? If man was going to rip that, they would have to take teams of horses or whatever, oxen. And they wouldn't pull it from the top, folks. They'd pull it from the bottom. Man didn't make a way to God. God made a way to man. And by the way, a human being couldn't have ripped that veil. And yet when Jesus died, it ripped from the top to the bottom. And please think about this. Can you imagine all those people that had Christ crucified and as soon as he, he dismissed his spirit... Amen. And they heard that the veil rent from the top to the bottom. I don't know about you. I think I'd have face planted right there. <laughs> the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. But they didn't do it. Okay. Notice what that did, though. Because when Jesus died, okay, he provided them water there. Okay. He's going to get them into the promised land. All right. Is God amongst us or not? Well, he's standing on the rock. And you just smote him. It's important for us to see that. Okay? 
Hebrews chapter 4, please. Uh, Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16. Look what the Bible says. Hebrews 4 and verse 16, the Bible is a, is a familiar verse, but the Bible says this, says, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace. Folks, the throne of grace was in the Holy of Holies. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. And why can we come boldly there? I'll tell you why, because Jesus was smitten. The veil was rent and a way was made to have ready access to God. Y'all understand that? And it wasn't anything we did. Folks, Moses' rod didn't split the rock. God split the rock. Y'all get it? Okay. And so you understand my point. Moses hitting it with that stick. Okay. And so we see a resting place. We see a rock smith. And then we see a reminder. The last one is this. And back in our text, if you would. Uh, Exodus 17, verse 7, the Bible says this. It says, and he called the name of the place Masa and Meribah. You know, God uses place names and their meaning to remind Israel of their relationship with God. Uh, and so what he's talking about here, this, this means, if you will, strife and contention. By the way, chiding, remember how they were murmuring? Murmuring is murmur, 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 murmur. It's when you're kind of gently complaining Chiding is when you're looking for a fight. Okay? That's the difference between those two words. So before they were just, and now they're like, where's God? I mean, that's what chiding means. Okay? And so uh, (laughs) God says, don't you ever forget. Okay? This is where you turned against me and you turned against Moses. Okay? There's some other famous place names in the Bible. Ebenezer. We know it. We talked about. We sang that song the other day. Mine, Ebenezer. You guys ever heard that one? Oh, look up Ebenezer. It's one of the best ones in the Bible, because the Bible says this in First Samuel. It's First uh, Samuel uh, seven twelve. He says, "Let's put a rock right here. Why? Because everybody will remember that this is how far God helped us." Okay, and Ebenezer means the rock of remembrance. Okay, and so when every time they they would see that rock, they would say, you know, God did a great thing right here. You remember what they did when they crossed the the Jordan River? They took 12 river stones and laid them on the other side. And they said, what are people going to say when they see this pile of stones? They'll remember God split this river one day. Amen. And I will tell you this, in our Christian lives, guys, we ought to have a rock collection. Amen. And we ought to be able to go back and remember God helped me here, and God helped me here, and God helped me here. And I don't ever have to ask the question, is God among us or not? Verse 7, why? Because I know God's with me. I remember the day he saved me, and I remember the day he provided miraculously for me. I remember the day he spared my life. I remember, y'all with me? And I'll tell you, let's start that re- that rock collection. Now let's never get to the place where you get so sideways with God. God, are you here or not? Amen. Would to God we'd never get to that point. And we're done.